to the bonus episode of Single Dad While You're Mad. And we're calling it a bonus episode because we record our episodes two to three, possibly even a month in advance before they actually air. So anything you hear, we probably recorded at least a month prior to you hearing it. And one of the things we realized is that that didn't really work for Father's Day. And we felt like we would be remiss if we did not at least get something out on or around Father's Day that is about Father's Day, being our thing is single dad. Why and, you uh, <laughs> yeah, why you mad? So uh, I'm David, uh, co-host of Single Dad, Why You Mad? And uh, if you've listened to our first episode, because this is going to air a day or two after Father's Day, you know how we define single dads. And you know that I am a dad to my one and only child. His name is Miles. He's three years old. And I had him at 50. And then my co-host, Clark. Yeah, so I'm Clark, and I am a single dad to three girls, ages 18, 12, and 11. I uh, had my first kid at 25. God bless you. So, um... We're calling this episode Father's Day Origin, and uh, we want to connect and reflect. So um, I want to start by just reading something about the origin of Father's Day. Father's Day was founded in 1910 by a Sonora Smart Dodd, who wanted to celebrate her father, who was a Civil War veteran. And I've been meaning to look in to see what side he was on in the Civil War. I hadn't gotten around <laughs> to that yet, but I'm going to do that, right? But nevertheless, he was a Civil War veteran. Uh, when Sonara was just 16, her mother died giving birth to her fifth sibling. So she is one of six children, and her mother died giving birth to the last one, obviously. Uh, after that, Dodd's father, the Civil War veteran, William Jackson Smart spent his final years raising his children as a single parent. Ha, single dad with six kids. You thought you had it bad. I thought I had it bad. He had six. Yeah, he wins. Americans initially resisted the holiday for a few decades, perceiving it was just an attempt by merchants to replicate the commercial success of Mother's Day. So Mother's Day had obviously been around long before that, right? If this was 1910. So here are some statistics on the spending that happens between and the difference between Mother's Day and Father's Day. The National Retail Federation estimated that Mother's Day 2018 spending would hit 23.1 billion with the average person spending 180 on mom. However, for Father's Day 
2018. Spending lags behind the American spending $15.3 billion on dad that year, with the average person spending $133 on their fathers. Further, while 86% of Americans celebrate Mother's Day, only 77% of Americans are expected to celebrate Father's Day. Why is that, Clark, from yeah. your opinion? I, I, I'm listening to this, and I'm like, yo, I love my mom to death. Dude, right, yes, without a doubt, without a doubt. And anybody who knows me and has met my dad knows, yo, my dad, I used to refer to him as Dai Lo Dai, boss of all bosses in Chinese. Yo, like, I never spent 133 bucks on my dad. (laughs) (laughs) Never. And and I think one of the difficulties is, especially like now that I'm a dad, I look at it from my perspective. I'm like, if I really, really want something as daddy, I just go out and buy it. So it's never like, oh, dad needs this thing or dad wants this thing. So like if I think about stuff I bought my dad for Father's Day, like I'd get him a book, you know, or something like that. I was like, I happened to be in a bookstore or something I, I read and I was like, yo, he'll love this. You know, something to expand his mind because like he didn't care about flowers, you know. So, so yeah. So let me tell you, this article speaks to that, right? It says yeah. that this is generally due to the gender dynamics surrounding the holiday in two key ways. The first is that men just like you said, generally respond less to symbolic gifts and well to functional gifts as an example power tools, whereas mother's gifts are largely symbolic as an example flowers, and that there is normally much higher margins, meaning they mark them flowers up. They mark them flowers up. Um, and discretionary dollars available for emotional symbolic gifts. You can't have too many flowers versus functional gifts. You only need one power drill. So, you know, if every, if every single one of mom's kids gets her, you know, some flowers, she ain't mad at that. But uh, if every single one of dad's kids buys him a tie or a power drill or whatever else it is, you're like, ah, all right. Like, Like I think about it for me, like, you know, I work in corporate America. I wear ties. I rock ties. And even that, I'm like, yo, I only got one neck. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> how many ties do I really need? <laughs> you know, so it becomes, it becomes that, that practicality of, of being a dad. And, and, and I realized, like, because of that, dads become incredibly difficult to shop for. Like yeah. think, think yeah. about like even Christmas or you know, or or Dad's birthday. It's like yo, what does he really need? What does he really want? And because Dad ain't just gonna be you know like Mom. Mom will probably say, "Oh, that's nice for anything," but Dad will tell you, "Man, I don't want that nonsense. What are you getting me that nonsense for?" <laughs> At least my dad would. Like I I could, I could say my dad like he would front. He would say, "Oh, that's nice. Thank you very much. I love you." Right. <laughs> like, Thank you. And, you know, but like in the back of my head, I'm picturing him in a rare occasion where his Beijing accent would come out. And he'd be like, but I don't need that. What do you ask us that? You know, like, so, so it's funny because I see myself doing it too. My kids give me stuff. You know, one of the things I find myself prizing a lot for my kids because they're all artistically talented is when they do artwork for me. Those kind of small aesthetic things. And I'm not an aesthetic dude by any stretch of imagination, but it's them putting their talents to work in, in homage of me. And, you know, maybe it's the egotist in me. I love that, you know. Plus, they're young and they're broke. So I don't expect them to go out and buy me anything. So, so the article goes on. It says, but a greater issue in the higher importance people give to Mother's Day than to Father's Day might come down to a second point. Mothers generally need more recognition than dads. Mm. Men are typically still paid more for the same work. And society usually still places more responsibility on the woman for raising children and maintaining a household. 
despite the fact that a woman might be working in a job just as hard and be just as skilled as her partner. Historically, mothers were seen as the people who were not thanked enough for the work that they did and therefore needed a day of focus, whereas the man may have been fine at providing an income, but potentially neglected his fatherly role. Yeah, it's interesting as you read that off, because yesterday, you know, a couple of days ago, being Father's Day, somebody sent me that vintage Chris Rock clip where it was daddy gets no thanks except for the large piece of chicken and i started laughing because i'm like yo i don't even get that in my house because heaven forbid my daughters get to dinner before i do yo you get what you get dad you should have been out here like like the rest of us see i think that's because you're outnumbered though if there was a boy if there was a if if you had at least one boy in the house it might be something different but you're outnumbered well it's also because i raise them like wolves i'm like listen just because you're a girl doesn't mean you get to be soft or or you have to sit back and wait to be given yo get out there and Take it. You know, don't wait for some man to do it for you. We we all eating. And so if, if if I'm slow on the draw, I suffer too. Okay. So um the article goes on to talk more about since the inception of Mother's and Father's Day, times are changing when it comes to family dynamics. Mm-hmm. As roles in raising the family versus providing an income become less gendered, it is expected that Father's Day will take on more prevalence as men are taking uh the nurturing side of their responsibilities more seriously. This expectation is evident in the recent trend in Father's Day spending. Back in 2009, America's only spent $9.4 billion on Father's Day, but in 2017, America spent a record high of $15.5 billion, which signifies that domestic work is being split more evenly and men are taking on a bigger role in raising their children. You got to like that, right? As a matter of fact, so I was out at an event last night and I end up, uh, you know, an event for work, and I end up talking to the bartender, who turns out is a single, da- not a single dad, but he's a stay-at-home dad. So shout out to you, Adam. Stay-at-home dad, his wife was an attorney, and she was doing very well in her career, and they decided to have three kids. And as the kids started showing up, they would started doing the math, and they're like, yo, you're the major breadwinner, honey. And if we're going to pay for these kids to be in daycare, we're going to be broke. So he decided to stay at home, and he moonlights as a bartender You know, after the kids go to bed, especially for like high-end events and so forth. So he's there on a day-to-day basis doing the daddy thing and, and being actively involved. You know? his, his father's day gives must be amazing. Yo, granted, you should his ask kid, him. You should ask him. This <laughs> kid's a little. This kid's a little. So they're like, I think he said they're like 10, 4, and 2, or 10, 4, and 6, or something like that. So they they, they don't have any bread yet, but they're going to remember. They're going to yeah. absolutely remember. Yeah, kids got memories like elephants, right? So, um, uh, one of the things that, you know, we wanted to do, and we're calling this, you know, to reflect and connect is we want to talk about, or I want to talk and ask you, how did you spend your father's day? And then, um, you know, I want to share a memorable moment you had with your dad, something that really stands out for you. And then a memorable moment that you've had with your children, something that really stands out for you as being a dad. Wow. Um, so my Father's Day this year was an anomaly because usually like my, my kids are here and you know we spend time together on Father's Day. This Father's Day weekend, my two little ones went camping with their mom. So it was just me and my teenager you know, my 18 year old. And um, we spent the day for the most part, just lazing around and hanging out and chit chatting and, you know, just catching up and just spending time with me and her. And then it's funny because, you know, around dinner time or 
it got around dinner time and we we're trying to figure out, okay, what we're going to do for dinner. And we went to the supermarket and she's like, what do you want for dinner, dad? It's father's day. I got you. <laughs> what do you want for dinner? It's Father's Day. And we're looking around trying to figure out. I'm like, yeah, maybe I want this. She's like, don't worry, don't worry. You have to, you have to make a decision. Don't worry. It's Father's Day. Mind you, when we got to the register, I still paid, but <laughs> the, the feeling was there. You know, Listen, the, the, yeah, it was about the intent. It was about the intent. Yeah. It was the it was the intent. You know, like she was like, Okay, I I, I intend to pay for you, but man. You know, if you're going to pull out your car if before you gonna, me. Listen, alligator arms, if you're going to go into your pocket, then why should I go into mine? Exactly, exactly. Dad, daddy ain't raised no fool. But in general, most Father's Days, it's me and, and my girls. And, you know, I don't ask them to do anything special. I just like hanging around them. So it, it's funny because when the littles came back from camping, you know, I just came, I came home from work and they were already in the house. And I was like, everybody come upstairs, come upstairs. You know, the two older ones were like hanging out of my bed already. And the little one, she comes upstairs. She's like, what do you want? Like, I'm watching TV. And it was like, yeah, I just want to be around you guys because I miss you. And my middle one, who was like the sarcastic, like pragmatic kid. She's like, what are you trying to set us up for? What do you want? Why, why do you want us around you? So yeah, man, it, it, it was it was not on Father's Day itself, but today in particular with them being back home, man, it was it was just amazing. In terms of moments with my dad, I have had a lot of great moments. Like, I can say I'm blessed in that way because I, w- I was talking to somebody recently about the idea of, you know, fathers who don't have fathers, but learn to father well. You know, and I think about my dad, like he, it wasn't until I was maybe in like my 20s or maybe even my 30s that my dad and I were talking about his relationship with his dad and I realized he didn't have one so I was blessed that he in his parenting was incredibly active and laid out a blueprint for me um but I think about the moments after my daughter was born you know because my dad and I would butt heads a lot especially during my teen years you know I always loved him but I there were a lot of moments where I didn't like him you know I just felt like he didn't get me and I didn't understand where he was coming from. And my daughter was just born. And I'm in Brooklyn sitting on the front porch with my dad. And I remember turning to him and going, oh, my God, I get it. Everything you've ever said to me. A fucking light bulb went off. Facts. Huge facts. It was you, got, like, you got hit in the head with a fucking brick. Yeah, I was like, everything you've ever said to me finally makes sense. And he just, he just turned to me. Smirks. He just smirked. And he didn't say a word. He just smirked. (laughs) And I was like, dude, wow. You know, and and there were so many things. You know, like he used to just rattle off like little rules to me and like little little things. And it's so wild that like here I am, you know, 43 years on this planet, you know, 18 plus years of being a dad. And those rules and those little tidbits and those little nuggets make sense. It's to the point where I have four of them written on the mirror of my bathroom so that my daughter see them every morning. So you know what that look meant? That look meant is, I told you. I fucking, oh, I told you. That's absolutely what it is. I told you. Without even saying I told you so. He's saying I told you. And that was, one of the rare, that was one of the rare, reasons, rare moments where he didn't say I told you so. Because he used to love to tell me I told you so. You're going to learn today. Oh, admittedly, I was stubborn. I'm the only one in my life that I can recall my dad losing his temper with. And it was that frustration 
that fathers feel because you know the potential your child has. Your child, and you've heard me say it before, your child is everything that you love and despise about yourself rolled into one with the infinite potential of all the things you've missed out on. And he would just some days just like, yo, I can't with you. I can't. And it, in those moments where this little person like is first born and I'm holding her and I'm going, oh my God, like this, this infinite potential wrapped in this teeny tiny bundle. I get why you were on me like that. I fully understand. Why don't and, you give us a moment? Give it, give us one of those moments that you felt like that for one of your children. You know, and, and I could say like- And I know you got three of them. And got, it's probably got, three times three. But give us you know, one. I, I have three of them, and like they are all amazing in different ways, and 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 it's really wild because I, I especially in dealing with my middle one, like I get my father's frustrations because this kid is like infinitely talented and brilliant and cares about nothing. She's just like completely apathetic, and it reminds me of me, and it's like wow. I remember once she was a little girl. She was maybe like seven or eight. I don't even think she was eight yet. She was probably like six or seven. And she did something infinitely frustrating. I can't even remember what the, the, the event was at that point. But I remember turning to her and going, oh my God, I wish you were an 18-year-old boy. And she says, why, Daddy? In like an innocent little voice. I said, so I could just crack you in your ribs and move on from this moment. She says, then we'd just be fighting. And she turned around and walked out the room. And I was just like, yeah, that's my kid. And I have moments like that with all of them. I remember with her older sister. And my daughter was, my oldest daughter, she's maybe about three or four. And she and her mom were butting heads about something. And her mom says to her, you need to watch what you say. And my daughter turns around and walks out the room. And under her little breath goes, you need to watch what you eat. <laughs> and I go, oh! And I grab her and I'm like, listen, firstly, you respect your mother. That's your mama. You don't talk to her like that. She, she, she looks at me in the face. She goes, yes, daddy. I said, secondly, do you love me? She goes, huh? I said, do you love me? She says, yes, daddy. I said, if your mother heard me laugh at that, we'd both be dead. <laughs> you know? And so... Like that, that's that's a moment that comes to my head, like where I look at my kids and I go, I had to be mindful of my mouth, you know? And then like, I think about my youngest and she's an introspective thinker. Like she's the kid who like, out of nowhere, just asks questions about life, the universe and everything. And I find myself just having these deep conversations with her and then realize like, yo, this kid's 11. You know, like we had one recently where she goes, you know, dad, on a scale of one to 10, like how dangerous was Brooklyn when you were growing up? And this is a little girl who's like grown up in the suburbs and everything is relatively peaceful. And, you know, I throw out a number and I go into explaining to her and I said, you know, the major difference is like, you know, growing up here in the suburbs, you don't live with the threat of constant predation that you have, you know, being a kid in 80s and 90s New York. It was a different world, you know, but her mind, her gears turn that way and she wants to understand the world, not just from her 11-year-old suburban girl perspective, but from a global perspective. And and that's definitely something that I feel that like she got from me, you know, so the, 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 those are like the things that come to my mind when I think about my kids and, you know, exemplify their personalities and, you know, whether for good or for ill, that they got from me. So um, if I ask those same questions of myself, right? So I spend Father's Day, and this is sort of the answer to number one and number two, right? And I uh, left this post on Instagram. I spent Father's Day the way my father used to spend Father's Day. So, you know, there were five of us, right? Mm -hmm. My oldest nephew is 10 years behind me, so he's 43. So my sister had him at like 21, 22. So we're all living in the house together. My brother, though, who's uh, 16 years older than me, he moved out when I, um, 
I forget how old I was, but he got married at like 18, 19 or whatever else it is and moved out, right? So let's just say there's five or six of us in the house, but he was always back over the house or whatever else it is. So my father was always fixing something for somebody, picking somebody up from somewhere, dropping somebody off somewhere. Mm. The neighbors were always knocking on the door asking Mr. Crockett to fix something because he was a handyman like that. He could fix things, right? Um, or his friends were always asking him to, you know, take them somewhere or whatever it is because, you know, we grew up in the projects. You know, it was, you know, the 60s. Not very many, you know, black families had cars. There were black families. Everybody was, you know, uh, surviving, but not everybody had a car. And my father was one. So, you know, people were always asking him to drop him off. He used to take my sister to work every day. She worked in Midtown Manhattan, and he used to drive her down there every day and pick her up every day. My sister Charlene, when she was in high school, when she started going to high school in the early 80s, he used to drive her and her girlfriend Astrid, who was a good friend of our family's, to school every day and picked them up every day, I believe, until they got to like the 11th grade. Then they started riding the train on their own, right? So on Father's Day, the only thing he wanted was to be left alone. And he made that clear. You give me the remote. He's got his cigar or his cigarettes or his pipe because you smoked indoors at that time, right? right? It was no big deal. And he would put the baseball game on and sit there and watch the baseball game until he fell asleep. And if you turn that channel by the time he woke up, or if he heard you pulling the remote from underneath his leg or his arm to go turn the chair, he went apeshit. I don't give a goddamn if I'm sleeping. Don't touch the TV. Don't touch my TV. So in keeping with tradition, and I get it also why he was like this. I get it, right? I do stuff all year long. Um, I see a lot of, you know, fathers, you know, they got their kids on Father's Day, and I do not want to knock that. I do not want to say that there's anything wrong with that. I do not want to imply that I'm different from them, you know. They could be doing the same exact thing I'm doing. But Father's Day, I want my day off. Just like on Mother's Day, you know, I feel like mom's supposed to get a day off, right? That's what we used to do with my mom, would, you know, go get a hair done, do whatever else it is, and my father would take all of us and go somewhere or do something, and she would just be left alone. And I want the same thing. Just leave me alone. You, you know, it, it's funny as you say that, it, it flashes back to my mother. That's how she spent Mother's Day because it was five of us and invariably every neighborhood kid in my house most days. You know, so my mom would just be like, I'm like, Mom, what do you want for Mother's Day? Just go somewhere and don't get arrested. <laughs> you know, like, leave yeah. me alone. Yeah, just leave her alone. And what, one of my buddies was a single dad. He, he Actually, he passed away recently. And he and I used to joke around about the idea of LDA, leave daddy alone. Like you just need a one day every so often where you're just like, I love you, but just let me have peace. Let me have a moment. And especially as a single dad and as a single dad who businesses with his kids, you know, you find that those moments are treasured far more, you know? And I, it, it was interesting. I, I, I was you know, sharing with somebody the idea of solitude and like being somebody who grew up in a large family 
and, you know, moving out here with my ex-wife and being a social person and her having, you know, a pretty decent sized circle and me developing a, a pretty decent sized circle. We were always social and the difference, but I've always prized my solitude. I always liked being able to separate myself from people and have those moments to myself. And there being a big difference between choosing solitude and having solitude thrust upon you. But um, th- those LDA moments, as we used to call them, those, those are amazing. I- I'm not knocking your hustle. So um, the other thing then, or the last thing, is a memorable moment. So you've been a dad for how long now? Uh, 18 years. 18 years, yeah. And by the way, congratulations. I saw the uh, graduation pictures. Yeah. Fucking amazing. So um, the, the, the other thing I just wanted to say um, in speaking about a memorable moment, because you have, you know, 18 years of memorable moments. I only have three, right? Um, but the one that stands out at me the most, right, is um, last year, I took my kid to Sesame Place, right? I made this plan to take my kid to Sesame Place. It was going to be like a three-day event. We'd go down, you know, we'd hang out for a little bit. We'd spend some time at the park. Um, I'd stop and see some friends in Philadelphia, and then we'd turn around and we'd come back. So it's all set up. It's all planned. I'm ready to go. It's wonderful. We're driving down. I'm recording videos. He's saying we're going to Sesame Street, all kind of stuff. We get to the hotel and find out, because it's a water park, there's a water main break. So the place is closed. No. Yeah. Yeah. Place was closed. This was around July 4th weekend, right? So we stayed one day to see if it was going to be fixed. It wasn't fixed. We turned around and we came back. And then I set it up again for August. And all that time, he had been enamored with Elmo. Um, So a lot of two-year-olds are. How are they not? He was enamored with Elmo. Whenever we got up in the morning, before I took him to daycare, we'd be watching Sesame Street. And he'd be singing along and all of those sort of stuff, right? So one of the things I signed up for was the meet and greet with Elmo. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't really know what that was about. Um, But because the park was closed, we turned around, we came back. I made the re-reservations in August. We go down there in August. We get there. I call beforehand. No, the park is open. Everything's gravy, right? We get down there. We get over to the park. You get there early before the, just before the park opens. Um, I tell the people I'm here for the meet and greet with Elmo. They ask me what's my name. They say, okay, yeah, we got you. Go stand over there by the flowers right? You go stand over there by the flowers and you're waiting five minutes and somebody comes along with this big sign that says, welcome to the Crockett family, right? No way. So, so, so I'm feeling good. And then he's taking pictures of me holding the sign. I got a picture of him with my kid holding the sign. We're standing next to this flower thing with Elmo. My kid is two years old. He doesn't really understand. I say, okay, come on, let's go because now they're getting ready to take us over to the meet and greet. And um, he starts crying because he guess he thought we were leaving the park or whatever else it is. I don't know what he thought, but that's probably what he thought, right? But then we get over to the meet and greet place and it's like this theater, yeah. but the door is closed. So the guy who came over with the sign, he says, okay, somebody be out to get you in a moment. I said, okay, you just stand here? Yeah, you stand here. Somebody opens the door and they say, are you ready? I say, yeah. They close the door and then they open the door again. They say, come on in. So you step into this theater that probably holds about 500 people. Nobody's in there. It's just us. You were the only ones who signed up that morning? No, that's just the way they do it. Nobody else shows. It's your personal, private meet and greet. So we go in there, they close the door, and then out comes Elmo or somebody in an Elmo costume, life-size, and the Cookie Monster, life-size. And the look on my kid's face, right, was 
like he had just seen the one and only real Elmo ever, right? right. Um, so they ask me if he wants to come over there and say hi, and he's hesitant first, and then he goes over there and he says hi. He's hugging him, and you can see these pictures on my Instagram from yeah. last year. He's hugging him. So I sit down, right? And I start crying. Wow. Um, because the look on his face was like one I had never seen before in my life, right? And the fact that I had a part in making him feel as good as he was feeling just felt so good to me, right? Um, and that is the sort of look that I think about when I think about if my mother and my dad were around now, right? You know, yeah. like, I wish they could see me now. I wish they could see me doing everything that they taught me how to do without even really trying, you know? Because there were a whole bunch of times when they just said, man, go ahead. You, you want to do it that way? Go ahead and do whatever you want to do, right? But I was paying attention without even realizing I was paying attention, right? And uh, I just wish they could see me now. You know, I really wish they could see me now. It's wild that you say that. There was a a quote by Ronda Rousey, and and I'm paraphrasing, and I will probably screw it up. So, Ronda, if you're listening, I'm sorry. But she was like, she talked about her dad and the influence he had on her life. And she was like, you know, I hope he's proud of me, you know, if he can see me, you know. And that's the amazing thing about being a dad. You know, and I, I I think about the 18 years, and I think about, that look you described and that feeling you described, you're going to have a lot of those, dude. You're going to have a lot of those. And, and it's, real, it's, it's real strange, especially if you grew up not being a horribly emotional dude. Like, I've always been a pragmatic and, like, logically driven dude. And being a, a, a dad to three daughters and having those moments where you are filled with pride because your kid did something amazing or something special or – you shared a moment with your kid that, that brought them that kind of joy. Yo, you were going to ball like a baby. You know, so prepare for that ride. Prepare for that ride, man. Like, I, like I, 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 I've had quite a few of those where I'm just sitting there and I'm just going, I find myself crying. They're like, what are you crying about? Because, you know, they're savages too. And I'm like, you just leave me alone. Give me a moment. <laughs> At least he ain't old enough to make fun of you yet. <laughs> yeah. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> so, um... With that, we're going to wrap up this uh, bonus episode, um, Reflect and Connect, or Connect and Reflect for Father's Day. And um, just as a reminder, everybody, we went live with our first episode of the Single Dad Why You Mad podcast. Um, How the fuck did I get here? Sunday evening, yep, for Father's Day. And we want to thank everybody. We've had over 200 listeners and we want to thank everybody for listening. Um, it is available on our website, but it's also available right now on TuneIn, on Stitcher, and on Google Play. So um, we should be live on iTunes, what, another 24 hours? And we should be live on Apple iTunes in another 24 hours. And I'm getting ready to set up our um, Instagram page where you can just uh, click once there and it will take you to an app that allows you to pick whichever one you want to listen to versus having to go searching through and, and doing all that other sort of nonsense. So listen to the first podcast. 
if you're listening to this one, you can subscribe. We'd love for you to subscribe. We'd love for you to follow us on Instagram. Um, we're also there on Facebook. Comment. Let us know what you think and anything else. Yeah, absolutely. Share your, your feedback. And if you want to share your story, don't forget to reach out to us. DM us. Hit us on the website, singledadwhyyoumad.com. We're out here sharing our stories, and we'd love to hear from you. Yes, we would. So that's it. See you in two weeks. One final step, one final